and welcome to Skeptical Yours, where thinking is free. Today's episode brought to you by the Big Bang. Boom. Sitting next to me is my co-host and producer, Heather Henderson. Hi, everybody. You know Heather from the Facebooks, on the Intertubes, and from our other award-winning podcast, Art Atheist. You can find links to our guest website, join our Twitter and Facebook feeds, subscribe to our premium 90-minute full-length episodes, and our email at skepticallyyours.net. If you'd like to take part in the live chat moderated by Joe Swam, go to skepticallyyours.net forward slash live and chat us up right now. And please go to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast for free, write a, re- write a review. Help us get in the top 10. You may also go to Ustream and subscribe to our vodcast or skepticallyyours.net forward slash premium and subscribe to our premium ad-free content for a measly 10 bucks per year. Subscribe now before the government institutes a podcast tax. I I don't think that's going to happen. Well, you never know. That's true. They do like to tax the fuck out of us. They're taxing our sex? Not not quite, but but they are taxing us in the ass. True that. If your listener's ever been duped by anything that's been debunked on Snopes, welcome. Your ordeal is over. We're coming to you live from the second floor of the fabulous John Lovitz Comedy Club on the GoCast Network, high atop the hill of Universal City Walk in sunny Universal City, California. In the Universal City tonight, we have Dean Cameron, John Rael, Ed Clint, and coming to us via Skype, Stefan Molyneux. You know these guys from the world of reason. What? <laughs> 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 Hi everybody. Is, Hi. is this my turn to talk? Should, should I I think I'm just gonna yell my way through the whole thing just just you know to keep pace because I imagine that you pe- you must have pretty much face planted in a vat of cappuccinos to get that opening. I come only <laughs> hoping that I can keep up in some manic fashion. So please thank I you so much for the invitation. I wish that I could blame it on, on, on caffeine, but it's, it's cocaine. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, fair enough. It was a something I could get that. Welcome to the show, Mr. Canadian. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, nice to be here. Now, uh, Dean, I, listen, Dean, I asked Dean if he would come on the show because John Rael and I have been wanting to do on the show, we've been wanting to talk about rights versus privilege. And the hot button for that right now would be healthcare. Yes. So uh, it's, it's not necessarily a big skeptic topic when you really break it down. But at the end of the day, it, it sure feels like a skeptic topic to me, and I'll tell you why. Because the whole libertarian and the far right and, and, and the liberals, there's a lot of shit being said that ain't accurate, isn't true, and, 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 and is just rhetoric. And I think that fits right in the wheelhouse of skepticism. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it also deals with medicine, which is a whole other issue, because there's alternative medicine, which is people waving chicken bones and going woo-woo and breathing <laughs> a blue light. And and that can be, come, becomes part of this whole healthcare debate, right? Too, because some people want that yeah. in their healthcare. Now, when I asked you to be on the show, yeah, um, I, I know that you are a staunch... Uh, <laughs> You, you don't like libertarian. No, I freedom fight. Now listen, you and I hung out yeah. a couple of times, and we had big discussions on the libertarian viewpoint. Right. Now, why are you shying away from the word libertarian? Well, because it's getting such a it, like someone just sent me this Bill Maher thing where he talked about what what's wrong with libertarians. And so you're mad at Bill Maher. I'm bad. I'm mad at. Bill <laughs> and the, what libertarians are, I prefer libertarian as a verb. So I, that that viewpoint, but not as a political party, because as a political party, it's a robot killer for me. Because politics is a government program, and if you're doing like sort of for small government or no government, being part of a government program makes no sense. So those viewpoints, I I love, but I, I I've spent enough time with the Libertarian Party to know that I don't want to be part of it. Well, that's kind of how I feel. I mean, the Libertarian thing. Just seems it 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 seems like 
the classic way too fucking extreme to be functional. Well, no, it's not. It's just that just the problem is, is that that the representatives of, of libertarian parties are often angry white guys screaming taxation is theft. What do you, what do you mean by freedom fighter? Well, I want freedom. I want freedom for all things. For all things, for all, all things, people? All things and all people. And can you pick your own nickname, though? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. As long as no one else has taken it. <laughs> so Hitler's mine. <laughs> Sorry, already taken. Ah. By me. Um, all right. So... First of all, Bill Maher is has has long since called himself a libertarian. Yeah. I mean, he thinks of himself as a libertarian. It, it kills my robot. In what way? What do you mean? He's, he's deeply statist. Okay. Uh, when 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 he when he and this was just like last month or this no it was April early in April. Uh, last month. When he God damn it, yeah. you libertarians with your months. Um, when when he when he spoke out against it, um, it didn't mean much to me because Bill Maher is an atheist who uh, believes that the, the anti-vaxxers have a good argument. He's not a great skeptic. He's not an a atheist. good skeptic at all. And so I, I just think Bill Maher is pretty lackadaisical at everything except pot smoking. Yeah, and like I, I told you earlier, I'd rather be on the, the hate end of anything Bill Maher has to say, you know? Good. It's like I'm an atheist, and the minute he starts promoting atheism, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's You're the problem. It's, yeah. I mean, libertarians and atheists. It's it's the the you know the thing is, is we're herding cats. You know, we're trying to because we're all individuals, and that's sort of the whole freedom thing. Is it, so that's why I don't really like to be called a libertarian with a big L. Like, can't can't you be a libertarian and not be part of the libertarian party? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every yeah, every party has its radical fringe, except maybe the apolitical party. Yeah, but I, but that's the thing, thing is, it's not a radical group because it, freedom doesn't seem. We're in a country now where, where freedom is radical, and that seems crazy. You're not on silent. Oh, well, freedom's not safe. We got to be protected, Pete. And it ain't free. Exactly. <laughs> but but I, 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 do think that uh, I do think that that libertarianism is something that atheists and agnostics should really look into because, uh, well, for a couple of reasons. I, I mean, first of all, we I don't look, like. I look deeply into it, Stefan. Go ahead. Okay, so, I mean, we don't like, as atheists, we don't like magical solutions to complex problems. You know, like, where do we come from? God did it. Where did the world come from? God did it. That's not an answer. That's a barrier to exploring and getting a real answer. And the, we have this kind of knee-jerk reaction these days. Got a problem, pass a law. Got a problem, write to Congress. Got a problem, get the government to solve it. This is magical thinking. The government is not solving problems. The government is generally making things worse. The government is like the aforementioned cocaine. In the short run, man, you'll feel great. But in the long run, it just makes things generally worse because the government violates the non-aggression principle. The government violates uh, the respect for property rights, you know, not initiating force and respecting property rights. If you all went to kindergarten, that's kind of important lesson that you got there. But then suddenly we get to these big giant structures like gods and governments. And we turn our moral rules upside down and we say, well, they can initiate force and they can counterfeit money and they can sell off the unborn through national debts. And we'll call that a moral society. But that's like looking at the Old Testament and saying, okay, yes, well, okay, Yahweh can blow up all of the world. And, you know, he's just got mankind's best interest at heart. You just create all these opposite moral rules for these massive moral structures and uh, I think that's a great concordance between atheism and at least at least significant skepticism of uh, the government but unfortunately atheism has been tied with you know leftism secularism no, know. communism I, I, and so on so problem. yeah so yeah, so no, the problem is you, that you yeah, go ahead do you consider yourself a libertarian no okay um, did you ever 
Yes. Uh, I okay. was. Uh, I started the uh, like I get around the age of sixteen or so. I read, uh, read Ayn Rand and became a minarchist, which is like government is like law courts, police, and military, and that's it. Uh, you know, a government you can fit uh, in your back pocket in a pair of ultra tight jeans, and I tried. Uh, it actually works. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, yeah, I was a minarchist for many many years, and then. Uh, I just gave up the ghost and said, well, you can't create this square circle called voluntary taxation. So uh, I'm now like a no-state guy. Uh, you could call it anarchist, voluntarist, whatever it is. So uh, I have crossed the Rubicon to complete consistency with non-aggression and respect for property. So technically anarcho-capitalist to be distinguished from anarcho-communist. But uh, I'm interested in exploring the idea of a world uh, which can function beautifully, magnificently, uh, without any of this primitive Stone Age superstition called the state uh, anymore than we need religion to, to cure illness. We don't need the state to cure social problems. You know, praying just makes illness worse, usually unless it's going to get better on its own. But uh, praying to the government in the form of voting uh, really is surrendering yourself to a much more destructive pathogen than even a deity. See, it's Listen. Funny. Oh, I was just going to say, it's funny he talks about a magic answer. Uh, from a lot of libertarians, I hear like the one magic answer being the free market. Right. Like healthcare. Well, market, there, but know, there's no answer. There is no answer. I mean, the, trying to find an answer is... Uh, Okay, so um, I mean, just a very, very brief little analogy, right? And then I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll withdraw. I'll believe in, into that the when I hear it. No, <laughs> believe, no, I'll try. Okay, so, no, no, so people want to say, well, how does healthcare work in a free society? How does, uh, how do you take care of the poor? The educated, who built the roads? Uh, the free society, this, that, and the other. And you know, fundamentally, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. So when the abolitionists in the sort of 17th, 18th century were trying to end slavery around the world, you know, of course there were, you know, lots of people who said, who will pick the cotton if we don't have the slaves? And the answer is fundamentally, it doesn't matter because the no, problem the is that slavery is immoral. The <laughs> yeah. Okay. The yeah. Who will, okay. Who will, you know, who will, uh, who will we lynch if we don't have the Negroes, right? And the, the, the reality the Jews. is it for the Jews. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't matter, though. The fundamental thing is that... I mentioned I'm on cocaine, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the, the problem is that, that uh, it's immoral to have own human beings. It's, it's immoral to own 100% of them in the form of slavery. It's immoral to own 50% of them in the form of taxation. And it's immoral to own 150% of them in terms of the unborn with the national debts going 150 200% of GDP. It's just wrong to do all of these things. So what happens when we do the right thing doesn't matter nearly as much as just identifying and doing the right thing, which is to, to say, to admit we're not done as a society. We're not done. We haven't solved all the problems, this Stone Age behemoth of a state which we've inherited from the ancient Egyptians 8,000 years ago might not be the very best way to run things in a 21st century society. It's just possible that it, Steph, we've got a better Steph, way of doing things. I want to yes, back sir. you up a little bit. I mean, when you, when you talk about, when you compare slavery to taxation, I just have a lot of trouble with that because taxation... Uh, listen, I said to a good friend of mine who is very much a libertarian and, and, and a proud one, um, we were talking about – he was making the argument why shouldn't um, corporations be able to use their money to vote? Why, why, why shouldn't they be treated equally in this way? And, and, and in the middle of this conversation, um, uh, I, I finally realized something that just makes a lot of sense to me. And we're going to have to take a break, and I want you to explain it better. But, but here's where I'm going with this. It's not the same when people vote for health care. That is democracy at work, I think. And, and that doesn't make any sense to me. I understand. Listen, and you're not going to get an argument out of me when it comes to the insanely awesome and awful pie that is 
the, uh, uh, the, the offense budget that we have in this country. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. I think that many, many Americans, in fact, most Americans really would gladly give up a massive amount of defense money to take care of the poor and to give us all health care so that we can we so that we can have at least the bare minimums like so many other countries have. And I think the problem is the horrible imbalance in how our taxes are being spent, not that we're being taxed. That's my opinion. And when we come back from this, we're going to take a break now. When we come back from this break, we're going to see uh, exactly what Bill Maher had to say. Then we're going to have uh, Mr. Molyneux explain why I'm an idiot. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that I am. Sorry, You're listening to Skeptically Yours oh, please, on go the GoCast Network, SkepticallyYours.net, and available at the iTunes Store. More after this insufferable interruption. And now back to Skeptically Yours, where thinking is free. We're talking with Dean Cameron, John Rael, Edward Clint, and Stephen Molyneux. Thanks again, Mr. Molyneux, for being here. Um, I just I, I just left the discussion uh, and went to break uh, with the with the question: How, how are we comparing uh, uh, the d- democratic process, voting for uh, taxation, uh, to slavery? I just think that's so extreme. What do you have to say? Well, okay, there's a, a number of responses. Uh, uh, first of all, we agree that 100% ownership of somebody else's labor is slavery. I mean, that. We, so we're, we're talking about the difference between full slavery and half slavery, right? Because you're down to 50%, you take people's uh, 50% by force. Um, of course, uh, it's, you know, there's more legal rights. This is a far better system to live in than just about any system that has ever come before. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm down for that. We've made massive improvements. Uh, but um, uh, the reality, of course, is that. Yeah, but the, 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 the young don't have a choice, right? I mean, people are born, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt by decisions people made in the past. Uh, the government prints money to buy votes. We all know that. The Fed is currently pumping $80 billion a month into the economy, creating this massive bubble in the stock market and again in real estate, and it's just going to crash again. I mean, this is hysteria. Uh, if people actually wanted to get a benefit from the, from the government and the government had to pay for it, uh, the system would collapse. Right. I mean, this is why Nixon took the U.S. off the gold standard in 1971, because they simply couldn't pay for the, the welfare warfare state, right, the Vietnam War and, the, and, John, and Johnson's Great Society at the same time. Because if I said, well, ooh, some politician comes along and says, Steph, vote for me and you'll get $500 worth of benefits. And then uh, he, I vote for him and he immediately raises my taxes 750 bucks, right, to pay me the 500 and his overhead. I'd be like, hey, wait a minute. I'm down 250 bucks. This system doesn't work at all. But if you can borrow the money or print the money or, you know, find some other way to get it that doesn't impact my taxes immediately, then I'm kind of dragged into this belief that I'm getting something for nothing, which completely corrupts the body politic in the long run. Do you think that there should be any health care, uh, socialized health care at all? Well, it depends what you mean by socialized. Do you think that we should help uh, the poor people? Absolutely. No, I'm a very charitable uh, guy. Of course we should. You tell me what makes sense then. Rather than, rather than pontificate on what I might have meant, tell me, is there any kind of socialized health care that makes sense to you? And if yes, so, there is. Let me, let me tell you, I've got, a, I've got a perfect historical example of incredibly functional uh, uh, socialized health care uh, that did not involve the use of violence. Uh, so um, uh, in the 19th century in America, there were these things called friendly societies. You still sort of see the vestiges of them in Shriners and so on, right? And these friendly societies, like 25, 30% of uh, uh, Americans were enrolled in these friendly societies and they all pooled their resources and they all hired doctors and you would pay, you won't believe this, a dollar or two 
a year to get unlimited access to healthcare. And, and this was about one day's wages for the average uh, lower uh, income American worker. One day's wages got you as much healthcare as you could eat. Uh, and of course, this system worked really well until the doctors got really upset and decided to lobby the government to restrict doctors, to, to uh, force the government to impose pi uh, price restrictions, to force midwives out, to raise the price of healthcare so the doctors got more money. Uh, and so we had a perfectly functional, uh, wonderful healthcare system, uh, you know, given the technology and so on that was available in the past. Everything works until the government comes in and mucks it up. I mean, as Harry Brown used to say, the government is good at only one thing, which is breaking your leg, handing you a crutch, and then saying, see, without the crutch, you wouldn't even be able to walk. So we've got tons of examples of wonderful healthcare systems in the past, uh, which have all been mucked up by increasing government regulation and control. And now uh, you need the government to pay for healthcare because healthcare is becoming so insanely expensive because you've got uh, you know, huge amounts of, of uh, lawsuits and so on, all run by the government system. You've got a massive restriction on who can supply medical services. I mean, anyone can go and be a computer programmer. Uh, I mean, if, if they do a good job and people like what they do, why is it that we have to have, you know, 12 years of training for somebody to say, oh, you've got an infection. Oh, here's some antibiotics. Well, that's really complicated, isn't it? So we've got tons of things that we could do to lower the cost of healthcare. But in order to do that, we have to break up the government monopolies on the provision of healthcare. But rather than do that, we have to say, well, we need more government, more lending, more control, more power, more laws. Uh, but this is how we got right. here in the first place. More of the same is going to make it worse. Okay, Ed, would you like to, first of all, what's your position on all this? Well, there's, there's quite a lot to unpack in there. He speaks very quickly. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I, I think it's um, not a nuanced view to look at this as more or less government. There can be a lot of good government or a lot of bad. You can't just say more or less is good or bad. Um, my, my immediate reaction is I really want to know what your empirical evidence is for your most basic claims that um, government mucks everything up because I can name a few places that don't have government or places where states have collapsed. Afghanistan used to be a state. Uh, you can go to uh, places that are non-state or pre-state like Somalia. Uh, these are not places I would like to spend 10 minutes, let alone my life. But uh, if you have examples of a non-state paradise that I've never heard of, I would like to hear about that now. <laughs> Well, uh, again, there's a lot of non-rebuttals to what I said, but we'll gloss over that and just focus on what you're saying. Um, first of all, Somalia has uh, significantly lower infant mortality. It has a, a greater life expectancy, and it has better telecommunications, better educational standards than it did when it had a government. Of course, you're going to hear a lot I'm of that. I'm sorry, you cut out. Hold on, hold on, Stephen, you cut out sure. on that. Uh, sorry about it, that. No, Somalia, like Somalia lived under a dictatorship uh, from the Second World War period up until the 80s. It lived under a dictatorship. Somalia now, uh, since the government collapsed, uh, has uh, lower infant mortality, better educational standards, more freedom from women, uh, and a lower death rate because the government was killing people like crazy, as most African governments do. Somalia is favorably uh, can be favorably compared not only to when it had a government, to, but to almost all the governments around it. Somalia is doing better by almost every metric you can imagine. They have the most advanced telecommunication systems in all of Africa. So, of course, you're going to hear all this so negative stuff about Somalia, but so there Somalia is some rebuttal. Towards the future. Say, say that again, Ed. I, I'm gonna, that's the, that's the, the, the poster uh, 
you could put Somalia on a poster towards the future. That's the utopia that we can march well, no, towards. No, no, no. You, you, you but you don't compare. You don't compare Somalia, which is you know a still a very primitive tribal society. It's not like they've had you know the the Greek philosophers, the Roman philosophers. They've had no Renaissance. They've had no Enlightenment. They've had no age of science and reason. They haven't gone through the whole development of human thought that a lot of Western culture has. So you don't compare Somalia to like. Uh, Okay, Detroit, maybe that would be unfair to Detroit. But you wouldn't compare Somalia to most <laughs> Western countries. You would compare Somalia to Somalia under a dictatorship, and you would compa compare Somalia to other countries around it, which it's doing so, a lot better than but, but, every but country you can imagine. Any empirical evidence that this is really a better place to live. And there's, there's no way I will believe that Somalia, uh, in, even if it's better than the cruddy dictatorship that used to exist, it's not better than... Denmark. It's not better than Canada, where you live. It's it, it's not on the whole better than any of those places. So I want to know what place really proves that non-state is better than the state, uh, despite all the flaws. Well, sure. I mean, uh, um, you. I mean, there's the thousand years that uh, uh, Ireland actually had no government for about a thousand years and uh, uh, didn't have any particular wars and so on. But again, these are all sort of very primitive societies. But the case for a voluntary society. Uh, can't be made empirically until people accept it. So people say, well, you provide me evidence for a society where not having slaves is a good thing. Well, if everybody believes that, you'll never have the evidence, right? I mean, you the have problem to is not, the faith Stephen, based on I'm ethics. Not, I'm, but I'm not buying your comparative. I'm just not buying your comparative. People... Which comparative? Uh, I, and I, well, the whole slavery comparative. I was born into a country that is taxing me. And so, so I don't disagree with you that we're overtaxed. That is a I can absolutely agree that we're overtaxed, and I think that there should be a lot of reform in what's going on with taxes and how they're spent. I think there should be a lot of government reform. There's no question we agree on those things. What I don't understand is the extremist view that you seem to hold. The, the extremist comparison that you, Pendulette, and a lot of the other libertarians I, I know seem seem to think that. But dude, the that, word extremist that, is not an argument. That's just an adjective. You're not making an argument. You're just it's slapping a label on a belief system and saying, well, it's extremist and thinking you're making a point. The argument yeah, that taxation all, is theft. Listen, I, no, no. The argument that taxation is theft. It's an extreme comparison, Stefan. I'm saying no, it's, it's not it's an extreme comparison. comparison. It's not an extreme yes, comparison at all. No, you, you, but yes, let me make is. the case. Just calling it an extreme comparison is not making an argument, my friend. You have to learn you how just, to debate if you're going to deal with the just, big idea. Well, okay, let me talk so let and me I'll, make let the me case. Talk and I, you made your case. I thought you made your case. I didn't make you the said, case that taxation you, you is You said that can't we agree that, that, uh, uh, that, that to take 100% of somebody's uh, work, uh, labor, is slavery. I agree with that. So to take 50% okay. of it is not slavery. And for the record, I don't believe that most people are having 50% taken either. That's the other thing. The, no, it's the, more than 50%. The very wealthy, it's more than 50% really? because you have to count every, every, national debts, deficits, and unfunded liabilities, which is the promises that governments have made to people in the future that they have no capacity to pay for, which are upwards of $80 trillion dollars for the U.S. economy. No. Is half of your pay going to taxes, I John? I think it is, but Dean, do you want to jump in on this? You're you're not looking at it the right way. Why? Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. Me. In what way? In what way will I think that half of my my taxes? Maybe, I'm sorry, half of my pay are going to taxes. Maybe you could be making more money. Well, maybe I could be making. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, and for the record, when when uh, Lewis Black became a, a, a I'm assuming a millionaire. 
he was stunned at how much less percentage he was paying suddenly, how much less percentage. And he was horrified. And he's talked publicly about how awful it is that the wealthy aren't even paying the anything, they, that you just hire a good Jew and all of a sudden you're not paying taxes. So it doesn't quite work that way. I think they're overpaying, uh, overtaxing the poor, to be sure, and certainly the middle class they're overtaxing. But it's not 50%. No, no they're certainly not overtaxing the poor. I mean, come on. I mean, what is it, like 8% of the poor pay taxes? I mean, it's it's crazy how little the poor are taxed. I'm not saying they should be. I'm on the side of the poor here. But uh, to, to count your tax burden, you don't just look at what's taken off your paycheck. I mean, we all know that, right? I mean, you have to count the deficits, you have to count the national debt, and you have to count the unfunded liabilities, which are the promises governments have made to pay off yeah, retirees' benefits, well, give them free health care until I, they reach age 300 and so on. Dude, am I going to get a chance to finish a sentence oh, in this Stephen, are you uh, debate here? You have dominated this fucking discussion. So, I'm yeah, just asking. I just waited to let you guys finish your point. But if I just waited to let you guys finish your point, but if you're not going to let me finish a sentence, it's just not going to be as much fun. That's all I'm saying. Well, it, it maybe it won't be as much fun from here forward because you say so many fucking things that I'm having trouble having a, a reasoned discussion with you. So if you'll allow me once in a while to try and jump into a point rather than filibuster, I really would appreciate it. So I'm going to ask you Dude, to accept the fact this is not a filibuster, but go ahead. Okay. So, yes, I, I am going to, on occasion, interrupt you, and I'm going to ask you to clarify, or I'm going to say that I don't agree with the with the premise, rather than have you run on down the highway where I don't even remember the seven things that I disagreed with. So, please, bear okay, with me. Okay, let's just do one at a time, then. Let's do one, tell me one thing you disagree with, and I'll back down if I'm wrong, or I'll try to clarify if I can. One of the things that I disagree with fundamentally is the rolling together, the national deficit, the debt, all of those really complex issues, again, most of which you won't get much of an argument from me on. You just won't. I, I, I think that the government is out of fucking control with spending. I tried to become a libertarian. I mean, I tried like a motherfucker. I sat down with friends and I said, help me understand this. And it just isn't working for me because of the kinds of arguments I'm hearing here. They don't fucking add up. They just don't make sense. So if you want to talk about tax talk about taxation, then we should talk about the percentage. I mean, you just said that the, the 8% of the poor pay taxes. By the way, I don't think that's accurate. The, the poor are taxed at the fucking cash register to the hilt. And it's getting worse and worse and worse, uh, especially in California, New York, places like that. So the poor are paying an, a, massive, a massive amount in taxes comparatively, percentage-wise, to their incomes. Let me ask Devon a Ed? specific question. Why is it um, – and I'm not an expert in these things, so I'm just asking the question. All of the periods following intensive deregulation, lower government, re reducing of rules, the laissez-faire government of, you know, policies of the early 20th century, uh, the last 20 years – they were immediately followed by corruption, uh, rising costs of health care, and everything else, and general economic depression, not to mention um, complete criminal activity by those corporations leading to collapses of markets. Why does that always seem to happen? Okay, let me just um, – um, I, I didn't want to rudely sort of look away and, and um, type while you were talking, and um, let me clarify. It's, it's, I can't remember. There's a low percentage of, of the poor who actually pay sort of federal taxes. You're right. Tax at the cash register, tax on gasoline. I, I get all of that. So I, I really want to clarify that. To say that they don't pay any taxes is not accurate at all. So, uh, you know, definitely wrong about that. So, uh, But this idea that uh, there's this period of deregulation followed by a corruption um, – 
I think it's pretty much, I just did a video on this, so I won't go into the arguments in, in great detail, but um, I think to argue that uh, the, the financial system is, is about the most heavily regulated industry on the planet in the United States, and the regulations go into the thousands and thousands of pages. The government controls the entire money supply through the Federal Reserve. The government controls interest rates, which is fundamental to a free market. So you have price fixing uh, in terms of interest rates, which really messes things up I agree for with anybody trying to make long-term business totally decisions. And and the entire financial industry is, is 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 incredibly shepherded and herded by the government because there are so many like like tens of or or probably hundreds of millions of people in the West who don't want to be in the stock market, but they're forced to be in the stock market because they have to put their 401k plans or they're in government pension plans or you name it. There's some way that the government is forcing them to put their money into the stock market and people don't want to be there. And so what happens is, and I actually was part of a company that went public uh, when I was an entrepreneur. So it's a crazy environment because, you know, there's this short-term gains that you can make massive amounts of money just by jigging things around because there's so much money sloshing around the stock market looking for any kind of profit because it shouldn't the money shouldn't be there we shouldn't be forced to invest in companies just to avoid the tax man and corporations i mean corporations are almost a completely government created beast i mean corporations i mean the illegal personhood for a fictional company i mean that that i mean it's, it, that has legal Stephen, immunity for people who do bad things at the top it's a terrible Steph, system Stephen, hold on now ed, ed wants clarification here uh, i don't know Please. what this has to do with my question what you're describing you're making some good points but those are always true things as far as I know those are, every year, I mean, that, that's the case. My question was, why do periods where clearly there is deregulation in the sense of lowering of rules, lowering of restrictions, more hands-off government, being followed by corruption and economic devastation? Okay, I, now, now. I, wait, wait, wait. I but how did, I, I wasn't Stephen, I was Stephen, Stephen, Stephen. There was not deregulation. Stephen, Stephen, uh, we have to take a break. I apologize. I'm not trying to be a dick. Sure, sure. Dean, Dean wants to chime in on this one, too. We're going we're gonna to come back to that question right after uh, this uh Commercial interruption. You're listening to Skeptical Yours on GoCast Network, skepticallyours.net, and available at the iTunes Store. More after this insufferable disruption. And now back to Skeptical Yours, where thinking is free. We're talking with Dean Cameron, John Rael, Edward Clint, and via Skype, it's Stefan Molyneux. Uh, Stefan, can you hear us still? Yes, I said Stephen. again. Okay, great. Uh, repose your question again, Ed, and let's let's uh, we're going to go first to Dean Cameron, then we'll let Stefan uh, clear up how Dean fucks it up. <laughs> I think there is some consensus that historically, uh, nearly 20th century, and, and on uh, deregulation has led to uh, almost immediately to corruption and to economic devastation. No, uh, not not for me. But go ahead. What, what examples can you offer, Ed? Okay, so early 20th century, laissez-faire economics, um, government was very hands-off. This uh, Many uh, believe this led inexorably to the Great Depression because there was stock fraud and everything else. No. Uh, Upton Sinclair wrote about the conditions in the factories and the slaughterhouses. Fiction. Uh, that oh, was fiction. That's, that's fiction. Right, but those those were real conditions, the, the, the things that happened there. Were he's right. saying that the connection but is But it was yellow journalism claim. and fiction and propaganda, yeah. and it got... You know, it did exactly what he wanted to do, which was get more laws passed. So, and, okay. In the last couple that of decades, doesn't mean that doesn't mean deregulation is bad. Well, it, 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 because Upton Sinclair wrote a really cool novel. I love that book. It's a great book, The Jungle. Yeah. So, so the so the. You, but you, let's talk about the Civil Aeronautics Board. Okay, right? go. Civil go. Aeronautics Board ruled the airlines uh, and gave monopoly to all these airlines for years and years and years. And when when people thought, you know what, let's try to deregulate that. Reagan era. Everyone was saying, 
planes are going to fall from the skies. People are going to die. The world is going to end. Southwest Airlines spearheaded a wonderful thing, which their slogan was, you are now free to move about the country. And what happened was, in the 60s, 15% of Americans, I looked up a statistic, 15% of Americans- You hate statistics! I do. 15% of Americans were flew a commercial flight. This year, it's 85% of Americans have flown a commercial flight. And what that means is that we are giving more service. This service, this is a very important service that has been not even completely deregulated, but just a lot of regulation was removed from that industry. And now there are, flights are safer, they're cheaper, and more people well, let are me, using it. Let me and jump if in. We can apply that to medicine. Let me jump Wouldn't in. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing if we want more people getting stuff for cheaper and better? Flights? I have a problem with your premise. Okay. Okay. The the statistic that 50%, 15, one of the reasons, 15%, 15%, I thought you said 50. The statistic that 15% more people after deregulation. No, no, 15% of Americans yes. in the 60s could afford to fly on a commercial airline. Okay. Had ever flown on a commercial airline. Go on. Now 85%. Of Americans have flown. I think he's okay. saying it's gotten cheaper and it's more accessible. Cheaper and okay. better and more accessible and safer. Okay. And that's it's somewhat deregulated, not uh, even completely deregulated. Okay, first of all, just off the top of my head, uh, and I'm not an expert in this at all, but the scientist in me says, wait a minute, I, I'm not convinced based on what you've, you're telling me that the deregulation is what. What what caused uh, what what made it possible for eighty five percent versus fifteen percent to fly? We're talking about a, a product that this happens with or without deregulation. The more um, the more planes that are made, the more companies that compete with one another, yeah, the no lower the price goes. There were no companies competing with each other. Uh, the government decided what airlines flew where, what the routes were. And, and they actually said, if one airline can get one more passenger, take, a, take one more passenger from another airline, we were not going to approve that route. Seven, there were 79 Okay, so bad regulations. Go ahead. I haven't talked. There were 79 <laughs> applications, and not one of them was approved. Okay, that's, that's bad regulation. Yeah, and so... Do you when, think when all was, regulation is bad, Dean? Listen, the, I'm, you asked for... No, 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 I, I, I'm, I understand you I'm, did. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm just trying to... Say, this is an example of something being a little bit deregulated, and more people are able to use it. When I was a kid, I flew from my dad. I, my dad lived in California. I lived in Oklahoma, and he had to pay for a plane ticket because my parents were divorced to go for me to go from Oklahoma to California. That plane ticket cost twenty five hundred dollars round trip. Now it costs what one hundred fifty dollars to fly from from Oklahoma City to LA. Yeah, yeah and the so, first and the first. All I want to so say to this, and I'm a fucking lay moron. Okay, so I'll admit up front. Maybe I'm out of my head here, but Texas Instruments. Made a two hundred dollar calculator I can buy for fifteen cents now. It has that has nothing to do with regulation. Because, because the, yeah, because the government has nothing to do with Texas Instruments calculator. They never did. Exactly. And well, that, why then why were they two hundred dollars? No, they were. Why were they two hundred dollars? The first one ever made, or even more? Yeah, I, don't know I what think the we may be getting into a bit too heavy amount of detail. I just want to ju jump in for a sec, just yeah, to point it's, out it's a lot that of detail, the I'm, idea anyway, that the idea that the free market produced the Great Depression is actually okay. been repudiated by the very Federal yeah, Reserve economists. Uh, the Federal Reserve Economists have recently admitted, uh, and actually Ben Bernanke was quite famous for a paper on this. Barry Rothbard has proven it uh, that uh, it was monetary policies in the twenty uh, in the nineteen twenties. Uh, you know, they expanded the money supply, then they cut the money supply down by forty percent. Then they put all this incredibly heavy socialist machinery on top of the economy that dragged this recession out, the depression out for thirteen years. And then after the end of the Second World War, all of this stuff was blown blown away, which is why you had the sort of fifties renaissance of the U.S. economy and manufacturing. So the idea that somehow the free market produced 
the uh, the great uh, stock uh, rising in the 20s and then the, the crash and then maintain. This is uh, all, uh, this is not even mainstream economics anymore. This is just high school textbooks. This is just the government telling you, oh, we screwed things up, but we're going to blame the free market because uh, uh, that's easier. We got you scapegoat right over here. So, uh, Stefan, what do you say to uh, the housing bubble that just blew up in our face? What do you think Total statism. that? Total statism. Total statism. Explain. You had uh, – yeah, what happened was the, the government produced so much money. So much money went into the economy uh, uh, basically starting in the 90s. It was the Greenspan put. Every time the economy ran into, uh, uh, any, into any kinds of problems, he printed huge amounts of money cut interest rates. What does that do? Well, it makes it gives people the illusion that houses, which are a consumption good, are actually an investment. So they put money into their houses and there's you know trillions of dollars of misallocated capital uh, into the housing market, which means everybody's skill set goes and follows that. You know, like the, the housing market moves and, and everybody's like, oh, I'll be a construction worker. Oh, I'll be an architect. Oh, I'll be a plumber, an electrician. Everybody goes and trains to all that stuff. And it turns out that this is completely unsustainable. Uh, and uh, the government tried to wallpaper it up. Nobody in the government predicted the housing crash. There were a few on the Austrian economic side, the libertarian economic side, like Peter Schiff and so on, who predicted it uh, with some modesty. I had some uh, little bit of predictions in there as well. Uh, but these bubbles were all created by uh, the government pumping massive amounts of money into the economy, that money chasing a whole bunch of stuff and making it look like it's appreciating in value when it's not. And then the bottom falls out of it. And the government then makes so even more mistakes. They sorry, came to my grand. They, that's all right. They came to my grandfather's house. They convinced him to refinance his house. I think on two different occasions, and uh, and got him into uh, a payment plan that eventually ballooned out of fucking control, and he couldn't keep up his payments. Who did and, that? I mean, it was the government that did that. Oh, it wasn't the government. It was the it, it was it was it was the assholes who were financing him. And some regulation makes sense to me when I know situations like that. So, w what am I missing, Stefan or Gene? Well, no, no. Well, I like look. Sorry, go ahead. Let me let me interrupt. Oh, I, I was going to say I'd like to talk uh, a little philosophically because I don't know the ins and outs of the the housing market. But I would say, as far as uh, regulation is concerned, I'm I'm just thinking uh, philosophically: the more rules, the more regulation you put on people, the more motivation you're giving them to cheat to cut corners. Because I I've talked to I, quite that's a, few a really valid argument. I, I've talked it's to one a lot of my of people, favorite libertarian arguments. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people like in the real estate market, like during that peak of houses. And they're like, dude, we would forge signatures. We would cut contracts. We would, you know, just snip things out that we didn't like it. We would just repaste it later and put it back in. And, you know, like all these dirty, dirty schemes that they're doing. By the way, these are guys writing a screenplay where they turn out to be the heroes somehow in their own mind. Anyway, real crooks, real thieves. They tried to get my mom to illegally sign another agreement after Grandpa was dead with a wink and a nod. That they tried to do that, and my mom was like, "I know I can't sign my my dead dad's name to this." Yeah. Um, so, I, I, I it seems to me I, I'm not sure I, am, I I agree completely that we're we're talking about putting a horse before the cart or vice versa with with you you can't just because there are regulations doesn't mean that we have a, that that's not a reason to excuse illegal behaviors, is it? No, but sometimes if there's too much regulations, we're going to have to cheat. And I mean, sometimes, like, you know, it's like you add so many laws, eventually you're breaking the law. Right. Well, yeah, there's a there's a book. Someone Even wrote a book accident. about how we're, it's all there, there, there's the government is trying to make us all um, uh, operate underneath the law. They, they get more control that way. Stefan. 
Look, okay, so let's let's talk about your your granddad and your grandma. I mean, that's a horrible situation. Let me fuck my grandma. She was front. a psycho bitch. We'll just talk about grandpa. Okay, grandpa. Okay, uh, <laughs> but this is a terrible situation. Let's look at very briefly. Let's look at the hand of the government in in all of this, right? Because you think this is you know just maybe people think it's a bank and some guy, right? Okay, so the government educated this guy. Did they ever educate him on finance, on economics, on on how all this stuff works, on how money works? On uh, no, of course not. I mean, all you get is you know the battle at eighteen twelve, and then the capitalism caused the Great Depression, and uh, we won the Vietnam War. Anyway, so you get all this nonsense <laughs> from from the government education. Right. So uh, so so he was not educated in this kind of stuff. The government had regulators crawling all over the financial industry uh, and the government has thousands of pages of regulation of the financial industry. And the government was creating the money. The government was creating the money supply. The government was forcing the banks, literally forcing the banks to make high risk, low income loans. They weren't doing that just because they were greedy. Greed has been around forever. Why did it suddenly change in the 2000s? Because people really they got a strong a mandate from government to raise a high-risk lending, mostly to minorities, and this is what they had to do in order to retain their licenses. This is what they had to do in order to get government business. So the government is everywhere in that transaction, and what has happened since? The people who ripped off uh, taxpayers and citizens uh, directly through these robo-signing forms, and what if the, what's happened to them? Did they go to jail? No. The, the jails are full of the people in the Occupy Wall Street protests. 3,000 of them got jailed. How many banksters got jailed? Zero. This is a moral outrage. Zero of them got – what did they – they didn't even not get jailed. They got bailed out. They got bailed out to trillions of dollars, uh, which which is only going to reinforce it. So how this can even remotely be viewed as anywhere in the proximity of any kind of solution to this is incomprehensible to me. Why should they be jailed? You just said the government forced them to do it. They're victims in all this. (laughs) (laughs) All right, more after this. You're listening to Skeptically Yours on the GoCast Network, skepticallyyours.net, and available at the iTunes Store. More after this intolerable intermission. And now back to Skeptically Yours, where thinking is free. We're talking with Dean Cameron, John Rayel, Edward Clint, and Stephen Molyneux. I hope I'm saying that right. Am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, uh, where were we? A non sequitur. Oh, yeah? What's that? that? uh, Yeah. (laughs) This is something that happened a couple years ago. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, current affairs people, but uh, there was a couple cities in America whose government shut, shut down. Right. Because they ran out of money. Wasn't that like a libertarian utopia? I mean, how, how did things run in these cities? Does anybody know? Any any feedback on this? Any? I'm sure Stefan knows. The guy has to, seems to know everything. What happened to these cities? Stefan? Did the people die? Which cities are we talking about here? Uh, he there were cities know. in America that like ran out of money. Their governments had to shut down for a period of time uh, before they could go up and running again. And I'm just wondering, how did that work out? That happened in New York in the 70s. Did it? Oh, I don't. Look, I mean, come on. This is this is not it's not a libertarian experiment when governments drive an economy into the ground. That's like saying a church fell down and everyone walked out an atheist. I mean, to actually be libertarian understanding means you've got to understand the first principles. You've got to go through the whole arguments. Uh, you know, we're just touching on some of the effects here, but, no, but it's I'm a non-initiation right. of course and all that. So just because a government collapses like it did in Somalia or governments run out of money, you don't suddenly end up with a libertarian paradise. I mean, because the whole configuration of the city is messed up. And you've got a whole bunch of people who become dependent on on the city uh, in a wide variety of ways. And this is rich, rich and poor. I mean, the rich welfare whores are almost, I think, worse than the poor welfare whores because the rich welfare whores tend to get rich through doing things like 
running wars, which is a lot worse than just collecting a paycheck maybe or collecting a, a welfare check that you don't necessarily need. So, uh, so you've got this whole social configuration that happens when you have an ever-growing government. When that government collapses or can't pay its bills, you get generally chaos. But that's got nothing to do with a libertarian society. I'm that's just, just the house collapsed. Chaos. I mean, did the private sector kick in and run things? Uh, no. Um, no, I mean, was well, it allowed to? <laughs> right, right. I don't think it would be allowed to. I think that the 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 they they don't shut down the police force, and that's the, another libertarian claim. And and I I think holds some water. Whenever listen, if you don't pay your taxes, they will either put you in jail or force you to. I mean, that's what they do. They will take it right out of your fucking account. So no one gets to argue that the libertarian view that they use force is wrong. And that's an actual truth, I think. I think that's an actual, uh, that's an accurate. So it's the truth sense. of all government on earth. That's, that's how it works. Yeah. That's not, a, I mean, that's yeah. right. But bad. force is bad. Yeah, force is force. Force is force. Is, is there? Well, except, you know, in an extremity of self defense, I think force is fine. If some guy's yeah, coming exactly. at you wielding two flaming chainsaws, sure, release your attack killer rodents at his knees. I have no doubt about that. Well, here's but the, uh, the initiation of force is a problem. Here's a question that, that I've always wanted clarification on What percentage of taxes? For infrastructure makes sense. Where where's the line for the for the for the libertarian view? Is there one? Does it? It's it's a confusing thing. Well, let's let's f first of all clear a couple of misconceptions away, right? You all know that none of your income tax goes to pay for anything the government does, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, it all goes to pay interest on the debt which is created by you having money, right? Because we have this ridiculous fiat, paper, asswipe, monopoly, money, currency system. So none of the income tax that you pay actually goes to provide any government services or pay anyone. It, it all goes into the hands of, of bankers around the world who, uh, and, and it all goes into the hands of people who've lent money to the American government or other governments. So first of all, I mean, if we didn't have this ridiculous State system... taxes? I mean, there was no uh, income tax. Okay. I mean, income tax as a whole, all the stuff the IRS bugs you for. Well, you're talking that we have two here. We have we have the state that we pay to, and we have the federal that we pay to. And I I believe you're talking about the federal money must go toward what you're saying if if what you're saying is accurate. And, but the taxes that we pay to the state, I think, go to state infrastructure. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty certain of the federal one, but I, I'm not convinced of the state one. So I leave that open to to people to to look okay. into. But That's but look I'm into that very skeptically because of course in 1913 there was no income tax. Uh, and there were roads, and there were schools, and there was an army, and there was national defense, and there was no income tax. And there were public schools even back then, God help us, right? So uh, so the fact is that the, the income tax is not necessary to provide um, any kind of basic uh, government uh, services. You okay, get that Stephen, from, you know, clarification. Taxes, duties and what, so what paid for these things? Well, it was duties and, and customs taxes and so on that, you know, people buy and sell stuff. Stuff gets imported. There was customs and excise duties on, on stuff that paid for that. Uh, but there was no income tax at all. That was brought in uh, after they got their monopoly uh, bank, uh, right, after they got the, the Federal Reserve. Uh, then it was, I think, 1970, the Federal Reserve was 1913. In 1917 was the income tax raised as a short-term desperate war measure to be ended in just a moment. Uh, of course, the war, as we know, has continued, First World War, for about 100 years now. But any moment now, they're going to be relinquishing that income tax is a temporary measure. <laughs> well, I feel it. It's when in the income, air tonight. When, when income tax was instated, or when it's when they began it, it was it was said that, that they would not do this forever. There was a there was a cutoff date, right? I mean, that was part of the deal, right? Yeah, it's a temporary measure for the war. Yeah. 
Well, that's one story about income tax. But as far as I know, income tax also existed like every industrialized nation in the world. I think it didn't just, it wasn't our idea. Like other people came up with it and it seems to work uh, other places in the world besides here. Well, we, we, were flee- we were fleeing a country that was overtaxing. I mean, isn't that part of what, that and religious, I think, are, are why, why we, we got the hell out of there. Well, yeah, without representation. I mean, I think that's an important part. Uh, that is well, sorry, even, to be a little more clear, the immigrants mostly wanted economic opportunity, which they could only get with the relative free market of the United States, where in the 19th century, prices declined for 100 years. Can you imagine prices going down for 100 years? Well, all we know is the dollar's lost 97% of its value in the last 100 years. Imagine if, it, if prices actually went down. Like if everything was like computers getting better and faster and cheaper, that's the best way to help the poor. Hmm. Compelling argument. Yes, technology makes all of us equal. Speaking of that kind of equality, uh, gun rights. Anybody? 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 Isn't that kind of why we're here? So we're talking about talking about You'll get my pipe bombs when you pry it from my dead, cold, severed hand. Um, Yeah, we haven't said anything about the bombing. I I assume Uh, you've heard about the bombing, Stefan. Oh, yeah, just horrible, horrible stuff. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I doubt that it's a result of Overregulation, though. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's most likely the. Look, honestly, it's most likely the result of government. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to look. I mean, I hate to sound like a one-drum pony, but but look, I mean, this is all rumor. This is all rumor and speculation. But they have a Saudi a Saudi national who's in custody now. He's saying he didn't do it, and but but they're questioning him and so on. If it does turn out to be a Saudi national, then it's you know similar to the 9/11 thing. I mean, it's it's the, a, a horrible, wretched, murderous blowback for having uh, armies uh, all over the world. It's the same thing that happened to the Romans. Same thing that happened to the British. Same thing that happened to the Germans. Same thing that happened to the Dutch. Whenever you have an empire, you get blowback. This is just one of these horrible truths of history that seems very hard for people to learn. And so if if it was, and again, this is all rank speculation that might be complete bullshit by this time next hour, but uh, if there is some foreign connection, then it's going to be uh, it's going to be the result of, uh, you know, blowing people up and, and uh, aiding uh, dictatorships uh, overseas. Yeah, I, I have a question for you about, about government and atheism and stuff. You know, as atheists, we always get this question, I have one minute, uh, we have to get this question, where do you get your morality? <laughs> right? You're not kidding, right? Yeah, all you get it all the time. So, and, but you made this leap when you decided to reject religion and, and embrace the fact that there is no God, yeah. that you make your own and you'll take care of people and you'll do good stuff yeah. and you don't need a, a guy in the sky. Right. Why can't you make that leap about government? Well, I, first of all, this is something you and I have spent hours talking about, um, and, and I always enjoy talking to you about it. Honestly, my, my direct answer is I don't believe that we can trust corporations, well, corporations not are, to not the actions of, of those who run corporations. Is that the better sentence? Well, well I, I'm not a big corporation guy. Uh, I'm with you on corporations. I, I, I don't think that they're to be trusted. And I think the government should stand at our border. And if somebody fucking shoots at us, shoot back. I don't think we right. should be overseas fighting, so we all probably agree about that. We want the ships pointing their guns outward. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I don't think that 
I don't think that letting the free market just do whatever the free market would do will will result in moral behavior. And the reason I think that, and I also don't buy the argument that the uh, the corporations take advantage of us because they're being controlled by government. I just don't buy that pitch at all. Well, I think the corporations corporations, corporations they can't force you to do anything. The corporation. Well, Microsoft yes. is a corporation. So what can Microsoft can't. force yeah. you to do? What can okay. they force well, you to first do? Of all, first of all, I'll tell you what. When you work in a particular industry, corporations do a really great job at controlling your life, at underpaying you, at getting as much work out That's of you as That's a voluntary can. transaction. It's That's not voluntary. just voluntary. You, you want to work there, then go work there. If you don't, go work somewhere else. It's Nobody's forcing nice. you. It's not as simple as that. When you become when you become a professional comedian, for example, and, and you're making $1,500 a week, and all of a sudden all the club owners start to fucking collude and go, you know, we could get away with paying these headliners $900 a week, and they cut your fucking pay in half, yeah, but, and the cost of living is tripling. Yeah, but but that, that's, come on, that's a ridiculous argument, Emmer. But it happens to, it happened to comics from the 80s to the 90s. That happened to strippers, no, it's actually. It happens to strippers. So, wait, so you're due, you're due an, an income because if you want to be a comedian? No, no. I think that there needs to be a system in place. Absolutely needs to be a system in place. Wait, wait no. That... Let's, talk, let's talk about you being a comedian. What about him? What about Dane Cook? What about him? He makes millions and millions of dollars because people like to see him. Yes. showbiz. We know what the rules are. We know there's no guarantee. I'm, I agree with that. So what? What are you? What are you talking about? Well, I moved away from that particular line of work because exactly. it was because it was killing people. Because no one was. Yeah, it's voluntary. I, I think there needs to be some. The minimum wage at the bare minimum should be fucking some protection for comedians. So no, some protection for all workers because. In, in, yeah, I'm aware. Uh, some protection for all. Uh, minimum wage is just a, it's a racist measure. Oh. It was put in by by white right. unions to keep black competitors out of the market. Minimum wage is in the premium version because that's it for the free version of episode 33. Uh. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with the premium in a moment. Another show that went off without a hitch. We, we miss you, Hitch. Is. I want to make a full. Oh. We will be making <laughs> a full 90 minutes available to our premium subscribers. Later tonight. If you'd like to hear the full 90 minute show, please go to skepticallyyours.net forward slash premium and subscribe. I want to thank our guests, Dean Cameron, John Rael, Edward Flint, and Stephen Molyneux. I'm not forcing them. $10 a fucking month. I also want to thank my co host, Heather Henderson. Tune in next week when our guests. Hey, hey, let me let me put a plug in. You never oh, mentioned my show, Freedom Aid Radio. Their microphones. <laughs> Tune in next week when our guests will be. Wait, Tom Cruise? Well, not really Tom Cruise. Why are we claiming that Tom Cruise is going to be on the show? Just to see how skeptical our listeners really are. <laughs> and uh, we will be talking about why Emery's a liar. That <laughs> seems fair. Thanks to our audio engineer, Jansen LaFever, our theme music courtesy of the sound editor of The Aristocrats, Eric Wilson, and special thanks to our Skeptic Tank moderator, Joseph Libertarian Swam, and our digital <laughs> publicist and web guru, Cameron Libert... Liberace in winter. <laughs> You've been listening to Skeptically Yours on skepticallyyours.net. I'm your host, Emery Emery. And I'm Heather Henderson. And we are Skeptically, Skeptically Yours. Yours. Skeptically Yours is a product of an ever-expanding universe. So, Stefan, uh, why is it racist to uh, to have a minimum wage? 
Well, it's it's not racist to have a minimum wage, but the minimum wage came uh, came in because the uh, the uh, the poor workers who were largely minorities uh, were underbidding the the white contractors, and so they, one of the reasons that unions love a minimum wage is it eliminates the uh, the people who are willing to charge less. It also gives them a good excuse to raise their own wages, saying, "Well, we got to be about the minimum wage kind of thing." So, uh, it uh, and if you look back into the history of it, it was very much couched in keep the darkies out of the market. I mean, it was pretty wretched stuff. Uh, and uh, and as you can see now, of course, I mean, tragically, because the government is control uh, is controlling the education, uh, the the rich and poor gap is increasing. Right, the whole point of the welfare state was supposed to be to narrow the gap between rich and poor. Violence generally achieves the opposite of what you want. You know, I'll kidnap this woman until she loves me is not going to get you any hallmark <laughs> cards from her anytime soon. And so, you know, we have this terrible situation now where, you know, the, the, you're getting this real permanent underclass in the United States. You've got, uh, you know, the rich and increasingly gated communities. I mean, it's pretty wretched and it was the opposite of what was intended. And a lot of it has to do with public school education. A lot of it has to do with the amount of regulation and control that eliminates the poor and the young from competing with the sort of rich, satisfied older people. Uh, and and the dynamism of the free market, uh, the, the continual shifting of resources to the most productive elements is really interfered with by huge amounts of government Ed, controls. And uh, it is really causing huge yeah. problems in the black and Hispanic communities. Ed, I don't, I don't buy it. Uh, for one thing, the, uh, the poor class in America has never been majority um, uh, minority, if you take my meaning. Uh, there, there have always been a lot of poor white people, and there have always been more of those in the minorities. Now, the minorities are definitely poor. But there's more poor white people in America right now than there are poor any other kind of people by far. I, I, I just don't buy that distinction at all. Stefan? Well, yes. I mean, I'm no expert on American demographics, but my understanding is that the, the poor uh, underclass uh, that is minority in America, uh, the blacks and Hispanics, tend to be concentrated more in the cities, at least in the north, uh, whereas in the south it tends to be more rural. And it's in the north that uh, you see a lot of this um, competition with the, um, the unions and so on. So that would be my sort of guess. Uh, but certainly, as we know, poverty is heavily concentrated in the minorities, which is something that you know, after trillions of dollars of welfare spending, income redistribution, government um, programs and jobs programs and uh, government education uh, is, is a problem that seems only to be getting worse. I mean, just look at the unemployment, unemployment figures for minorities. It's just it's, it's staggering uh, and uh, wretched. Right. And so, again, it's just my, my contention that we should um, – we should look at possibly other alternatives than, you know, somebody was saying earlier, uh, well, let's just get the money from the military and put it into healthcare. And, you know, uh, but this is a magical thinking akin to, you know, let's let's pray for the cancer to go away. From Why the is that magical uh, thinking, Stefan? Why is it magical thinking? Because because you create, let me, you, you let me give the argument. Why is it magical thinking to say the percentage of uh, um, of of uh, federal money spent? Uh, let's say for the sake of this discussion, and I think it's probably not far from this, is 80% of the government's budgets going toward the, what they call defense, I call offense. Uh, why is it magical thinking to say, why don't we take 20% of that and move that to social programs? Why is that magical? Because you don't control the government. Uh, the, the voters are supposed to control the government. So if we could get enough people elected who agreed with that concept, Where's the fucking magic? I think that's just voting. If you prayed hard enough, hmm. if you really believed, <laughs> then the cancer would go away. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm saying that we need government reform. Absolutely. I'm saying that we need tax reform. Absolutely. And I'm saying that I'd like to see some people voted in who would who would 
aggressively go after this. It's not magical thinking. It's fucking democratic thinking. But I know, I know. I know. No, it is magical. You can't create. You can't give a small minority of people all the guns in the world, and and then have them indoctrinate the young on the virtues of having these tiny group of people have all the guns in the world, and then somehow think that you're going to be able to control these small group of people, largely sociopaths, who have all the guns in the world and can print all the. They can type whatever they want into their own bank account. They can pass whatever whims they want into laws, which armed thugs will go out and enforce uh, whoever they point at. They can go and invade countries. They can sell off the unborn. They can magically tinker with the uh, complex economic decisions and social and moral decisions of hundreds of millions of people. They're living man gods immune from conscience, and you think you can control them by ticking something in a box? It's never going to happen. Well, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> Why is it more fanciful to believe that we could have a government that's less repressive and more functional than the one we have, but it's not fanciful to believe there's going to be this non-state market system that solves all these problems and does everything better that has never existed, but you're saying could exist and will. In other words, well, well, uh, yeah, go ahead, well no, I mean, in, in other words, it seems like magical thinking. Yes. We have so much evidence uh, of the productivity and the wealth generation of the free market. I mean, just look at the last 200 years. If you look at the GDP of human societies from the ancient Egyptians through till about 1780, it's flatlined. I mean, it was starvation, it was disease, it was death, plague, war, pestilence, you name it. People like average life expectancy in Rome was like 20 years old, and that's if you survived your first toothache, for God's sakes. I mean, and you, you sort Is of it so bad to die sexy, it's though, honestly? <laughs> <laughs> with one tooth left. What's that pickup line in Alabama? <laughs> nice tooth. Um, so, so what you're saying? But, what but you're it's, saying it's, is this is the free market. In, in, uh, when when you when you compare life today, for example, to uh, life in in ancient Rome when the life expectancy was 20, um, obviously um, we we've we've come a, we've come a long way, baby. Is is that what you're saying right now, Stefan? Well, no, what I'm saying is that we've had governments the whole time, but what changed, what changed was actually allowing people to make their own economic decisions, to follow their own economic bliss, their own career bliss, uh, to invent, to create, to keep the fruits of their labors. All of that changed sort of the late 18th century through to the 19th century. The free market really had its first opportunity to, to fundamentally to be allowed to work, you know, like in, in in the Middle Ages, if you if you were, had a guild and you were sort of next to somebody else, you made shoes and somebody else made horseshoes. You made both made horseshoes. If you sneezed when someone, you could be arrested because then you were soliciting business. You couldn't even sneeze because then someone would say, "Well, bless you," and now you could sell them a horseshoe and the other guy couldn't. He could bring you up on charges. It was that controlled, that restricted the market. And so we've actually allowed over the last few hundred years as a society for people to be able to make their own economic decisions and the amount of human productivity that it has unleashed, the wealth that it has unleashed, the technology that it has unleashed is astounding. So to say it's magical thinking, I think, is to ignore the fact that we've had governments the whole time and life was shit. It was just like face down and it's like that scene from Monty Python. He must be a king. Why? Well, he hasn't got shit all over him. Well, that's human history for most of it. And even the kings, I'd rather be a poor guy now than a rich guy 300 years ago. All of that's happened because of the free market. It's not magical thinking to say if we continue to allow the free market to operate, it's going to produce even 
even more goodies because it tends to accelerate in its progress. It, it's going to produce even more goodies. It's going to bring down the price of things even more. Oh. I mean, the, the poor now so you just left TVs the rails, and Stephen, You left the rails. All of that happened under government. Governments are continuing. No, that happened despite government. No, it's... No, it didn't happen despite government. I, some, I don't agree with you. I'm sorry. I just I just miss your claim. Are the you government... saying there were no government for the last 5,000 years? Didn't you just hear the argument? No, I At least rebut it. Don't just you say just, you don't. I, you just claimed that there's this, been this amazing free market renaissance. All of this has taken place that you're describing under government. When government released, released their stronghold on people. Even that small release, we stopped having tiny little confidence. When government just released a little bit, okay. productivity increased, our lives got better. Okay, I, I don't disagree so, with that. And I get, I get that thinking, but that is the kind of thinking like, well, if two drinks made me feel good, right. ten drinks will make no, me feel good. It is that thinking. I, I, I think, it, I think it we belong somewhere in the middle. Somewhere, life-saving technologies is not the same as a glass of whiskey. Come on. Well, I, I, all I'm saying is that somewhere in the middle – there is, and that's, listen, I, I need to find LOD's thing on Wikipedia and read wow. it because I, I, I think he's got it figured out. Everybody has some great ideas. Uh, the GOP has a few tiny ones, maybe, <laughs> but the rest of them all have some really good ideas and everyone goes a little bit too far. And I think that that's what this is. I think you're just, and you, but why you know, is, that's what, so, that's what I was saying earlier about libertarian. Why is freedom too far? <laughs> Be, well, I'll, I'll tell you exactly why. Um, individual freedom, you and I will fucking hug and kiss each other till the end of the day. I, everybody should be able to smoke pot. Everybody should be able to take their own life. Everybody, honestly, everybody should be able to do any harm they want to themselves. You know where I draw the fucking line? When what you're doing is harming others. And if you're fucking spilling oil into the Gulf, you're harming others and you're harming their productivity. And that guy should be fucking watched, regulated, and fucking at gunpoint should not be allowed to fucking poison my planet. Period. Right. He shouldn't be given a license to do that by the government. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. It's, it, right? No, no. Giving a right? license to someone to go to out into the, no, no. Giving a license to somebody to go out there and, and, and drill means in theory, in theory, on the private property, in theory, on private property. Yeah. Okay. Right. In theory, giving them a license means that they're being regulated. They're being watched. They're being told, here's what you have to do. And, and this is how much you can pollute. They, they, what do you mean? That's part of the license. That's part of the license. That's part of the license. Yeah. See, government – again, I'm not going to disagree that we listen, need look, look, but, but who you're asking who you're asking to regulate, like just get this. And I'm, I don't mean to sound condescending. I really apologize for this, but really understand this. The people you're asking to regulate, the people who are sailing the oil ships around, yes, yes. are the same people who have just shot uranium casing shells into Iraq that are poisoning kids and everyone, uh, causing massive increases in cancer and leukemia that have a half-life – of billions of years, that that shit is going to be toxic until the planet is gone. These are the people that you're crossing your fingers and are hoping they're really going to clean up and keep the environment clean. Look at Iraq. That's what they're doing there for nothing. I I agree with these are not people this. who are going to save you. If you've ever and been, I, I if like you've to... ever been to Juarez, you can stand on the on on our side, on the U.S. side of Juarez, and you can look across and you can and you can see. I was standing there once with a guy who owns a business, and I go. 
look at the fucking filth in the air. Look at the filth on the on the on the shoreline uh, of the river. And, and and you look over there, and you and you're I'm looking right into Mexico, and it's fucking awful. It's just filthy, and it's clearly there's there's no regulations on what they're doing over there whatsoever. And the guy standing next to me goes, "Yeah, you know who's doing that? American businesses." There are American businesses that are going across the river where there aren't any regulations whatsoever and poisoning Mexican government. And I don't know. Governments, I don't governments know. allow it and governments own the land. That's governments right. are responsible for enforcing it and governments own the land. So it doesn't work. It, we have to find other solutions. Property. It is public property. And whenever there's public property, stuff is disgusting. It's never good. And also, to talk about politicians. You don't think that regulations, listen, regulations on this side keep American businesses from doing what they're doing over there. How is, am I missing something here? Is it, is it, How are you guys on a different page than me on this? Hold on, I'm just rebounding here or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the show takes a turn. Hey, oh, uh, but uh, <laughs> is it the regulations that keep things going here? Or is it uh, sort of the market, the competition? Like, well, those guys really fucked up, so I'm not going to buy their stuff anymore. Let's buy these guys. American so. companies go to other lands where there aren't laws that keep them from poisoning the rivers and they poison the rivers. That's a fact. Or they can control the laws. Because the rivers aren't owned. The rivers aren't owned by anyone. Well, there are, those are Mexican those are Mexican lands and the Mexican government, which is completely corrupt, like most governments, uh -huh. gives these people permits to do whatever the fuck they want. So you're saying that the problem with the difference between the two borders, the U.S. border and that border, is that the the government over in Mexico isn't corrupt. Or, I mean, is corrupt. Is more corrupt than we more corrupt more than we probably are. Probably visibly corrupt than we are. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So it's the government corruption that lets that land just be completely ravaged yes. by American companies. Yes. It is. Yeah. That's it. And and the fact that you, the you governments you, prevent other solutions from coming into being. And, and and in no way, shape, or form do you think that it's that it's a problem that a government comp I mean I'm sorry, that a that a corporation from the US would go over there and do that. You don't see a problem with that, guys? I'm sorry. I'm fucking it's a lost. Huge problem. Here. It's a huge These are people it's a huge who are problem, but your solutions won't because work. they're allowed to. How do you not see that the free market is a fucking nightmare if you let it just run it back? It is a free market. That guy can go. Oh, over look, there if you're not gonna listen, there's not much point talking. And Stefan, Stefan just said it. Stefan just said that there's these guys. But Stefan, you're saying it's the government that's poisoning these people with this with this uh, uranium? Well, let me ask a hypothetical. What would the free market? Yeah, the government. Oh, sorry, the U.S. military is shooting this uranium into okay, the. Okay, got uh, it. Into the, yeah, uh, into I, I, the you're, you're talking past me. I'm unaware of the the, the situation. But let me ask hypothetical. What would the free market do differently? Okay. Like, what would the free market do in the case of man? These guys are running amok. Do you want an answer? Like, sorry, do you want an answer for me or somebody else? Anybody, anybody. What, what would the free market do differently? That okay, so so let's say, okay, so let's say that you have a, um, let's say there was no government, no government at all, right? And you got a problem with pollution. So let's just talk about air pollution. So you buy a house. The first thing you want to do is you want to buy some air pollution insurance, of course, right? Because you don't want uh, some someone to build a factory and coat your house in in soot, right? So you buy this insurance, and what this insurance says is that if anybody uh, pollutes the air around your house, we're going to pay you $5 million uh, to move, to relocate, whatever it is going to be, right? And then this company who's got all these insurance policies, uh, it has a huge financial incentive to keep the air clean because if the air isn't clean, they owe all these people all this money. 
right? So they're going to be actively policing for their own economic interests, for their own profits. They're going to make sure that people don't build horrible stuff around these people where they have all this insurance. I mean, and this is a, there's tons of different ways you can solve it. This is one possible way of doing it. Uh, but that's a way uh, of making sure that you have somebody who has – governments have no economic interest. They have no economic self-interest in policing things correctly or, 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 because or, or, nobody gets fired if it doesn't work. Nobody gets fired if, 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 the, uh, if the river goes up in fire. Nobody in the government ever gets fired. You need people who have clear economic interest in things, and that's why insurance is a great way to do, to do these kinds and, of things where you protect that the environment that way. About their, keeping the air clean. Well, they don't have an interest in, in keeping it clean. They have an interest in, uh, instead of paying the $5 million or whatever, bribing the officials that do the measurements, bribing anybody else involved. Um, and there's no there's no laws, there's no rules, so there's nothing wrong with uh, them just bribing whoever they need to, and you get your air polluted anyway. Well, bribery is only going to well, exactly. work so of long there until are no everybody laws, right? finds out. But, but Go ahead, yeah, Stephen. But nobody's going to do business with you then. Uh, of course they will. It's in their interest to do business with me. If they want my product, they'll, they'll have to buy it from me. No customers won't buy it from you if you if you cheat them. I, I don't see any. I mean, just look at look at eBay. Look at eBay. I mean, if you if you cheat people, you go out of business very quickly. Well, I mean, eBay. There's no there's no government to resolve disputes in eBay. The, it's all the cause and effect separate psychologically for your customer. People will gladly buy the iPhone from the Foxconn factory in, in in China, where people are flinging themselves out of the building and killing themselves, as long as they don't have to know about it. That's a fact. Are they? Is that happening? Right, and the Chinese government is responsible to... for that. If you try, if you try to start a union in a Chinese factory, you get twelve years in prison. For God's sakes, this is a government problem, not a market problem. But, I'm, I, but uh, on that, there have been a lot of exposés on shitty conditions in foreign factories where companies like Nike and Walmart have kind of turned around and they're like, "Guess what? We're going to pay them more. Guess what? Their conditions are going to be better." In, in China, it's, it's still a hellscape for workers uh, by any measure. But it, but what what's the alternative? Yeah, well, I'd like, rather work for an American company if I lived in China, in China, than a Chinese company in China. In China. My point is that the corruption is just as easy well, in the okay, example you, you just gave it. as it is in government. It's just as easy to bribe people. It's just as easy to hide the evidence to have people look the other yeah. way. But it's not. The, the evidence comes to life. No, but there's competition. Though, it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to step out of this office and go to another. But in companies, they lose their business. Geico, State Farm, Farmers Insurance. Those three compete with one another. There's competition. Do we agree on this? Yeah, I'd okay. Uh, but not in but not in a free market. But not in a free market. Right, right, right. I'm scared. That no, it's not. Look, insurance and finance in the U.S. is not even close to a free market. See, that's that. It's like healthcare. This is this is the circular thing that is the the argument that is the free market versus versus what we have. It, it, there, there, there's just no examples uh, that that make me convinced that in a truly free market. That the same fucking thing or worse wouldn't happen. There's if microcosms. You, I mean, there's eBay, there's Wikipedia, there's you know little micro, little micro libertarian utopias. Bitcoin, PayPal. But, yeah. Absolutely. But as far as a big like, we're my whole life is in the libertarian bubble. I don't know anything. Yeah, yeah. I the the so 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 the libertarian argument is that I, I can't even I can't even offer that my mom got the shit fucked out of her when she broke her leg. It's a. I don't mean literally. It's been years. Um, my mom, mom got got herself got her ass handed to her when she broke her femur, and the insurance decided to just completely just just fuck her over. I mean, fuck her over. She has massive bills. She's she's got coverage, but she has massive bills. They fucked her over. Insurance company. And I don't know the names of. She's got two or three different people that 
are tiered that she had to. One of them is is there's a government system involved here too, like Medicare, Medicaid, oh. because of her age. I know that that's part of the equation. Um, uh, but they put her in a shithole, and I couldn't get them with fucking cockroaches. And I and, and I got I, I tried to get her moved in a different shithole where they where, where they psychotic treatment was bad. So, so the, the, the healthcare system is, is fucked. The insurance system is fucked. So, so the, the libertarian view is that's because it's, it's government. If you just let them do whatever they want to do, that would never happen. That's the libertarian view. No, there, there would be fraud. There would be bad stuff going on. Less? We think so. You think so. I have no idea why. Well, look, first of all, give it you know, the, the government rejects... I'm ready to try it. Don't get me wrong. Give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan, go ahead. Uh, but the government... Re- I just had this debate with a, a lawyer, uh, so I just had this fact on my head. But the government actually rejects three times the amount of insurance claims than private insurance companies do. So there's not, not really much of a solution there. And, and the, the question is, why is this stuff so expensive to begin with? I mean, why is everything that, that the government doesn't touch going down in price, right? There's the, the computer industry, te- hardware industry, technology industry. It's the least regulated industry, and it's the one where you get the greatest improvements uh, in quality and the greatest reductions in price. The areas where the government is muckety-mucketing about with in- insane amounts of regulations and tort problems, legal problems, malpractice and problems. Uh, the government spends more than 50 cents on the dollar in the healthcare. It controls the supply of doctors. Uh, it, it controls licensure. It, it bans people from coming into the industry. And this is why prices are going up so high. I mean, communism didn't work for producing bread. How on earth do we think crony capitalism is going to work to produce high-tech uh, medical solutions? Well, it's just not, the more argument. complex things are, the less you need guns waving around to get things done. That's what makes this, this discussion so difficult because we don't disagree on so much of what's wrong. I mean, we really do meet right there at the same place. Most of the, the solution. <laughs> and we want the same things. We do. Great. We, we, want, do. we want clean air. We want clean water we want health care for people we want great education Hookers. we definitely want all the Free same hookers. things yeah i actually do have an argument in favor of <laughs> government money uh and it's the one uh, neil degrasse tyson always is a fan of presenting which is that you know without government money there would have never been nasa because there's no return on that there's no return on sending a rocket into space it's just not but we see the economic ripple effect we see how much money came from the how much technology came. how much technology massive came. amounts and so that that would be more, yeah. Well, you know, Stefan, what's the answer? Look, that, he's a, he's a fine scientist, but he's no economist, and neither am I. But the reality is, it's easy to look at. Hey, we have Tang. You know, <laughs> say, well, that was worth twenty billion dollars an hour, whoa, right? Whoa, but the reality whoa, is, Steph, look at all look Steph, at all that look. Uh, whoa, bullshit! I'm sorry, brother. It's nice to meet what? you. Tang is not the fucking. It's not all we got from. And do you think that money got went out to space? Did we shoot the money out? Let me make a joke, for Christ's sake. Uh, no, of course I know we got more than that. No, no, but look. Oh, damn. No, no, no. It's, it's my, apologies. It's, my apologies. My apologies. I, I missed I the point. It's easy. Look, let me let me finish the point. It'll take a sec. It's easy to look. Like, the, the whole trick of economics is not looking at the visible gains, but looking at the hidden losses. So, absolutely, you can look a lot of, a lot of things that came out. I mean, the, the, the internet came out of the national defense, uh, the, the defense budget wanted to uh, survive a nuclear attack. So, the, so, you can look at all the things that came out of the space program, and you can trace all of those back to the space program and that's so what i mean if the government spends a billion dollars it can create a whole bunch of jobs but then you can look at those jobs and say well those jobs wouldn't be there and therefore up those jobs but the reality is the government had to take that billion dollars from somewhere and all those other jobs didn't get created all the shit that the engineers created by going into nasa they didn't create doing something else 
uh, all of the money that was spent there was not spent creating something else. So looking at the visible gains without seeing all the craters, all the losses, everything that wasn't created that could have been way cooler is, uh, you know, it's sort of pointless. What's I your, mean, you're just Stephen, pointing at the your, thing that's there. What's your response to the fundamental complaint? And that is that without, without government, um, we, we never even would have bothered to try to get into space because it, it wasn't something that would that was a uh, uh, that would have had a return. You don't, um, you don't know that. Though. Well, no, no, no. I, I'm asking him to to answer. I, I don't know either. I, I, I'm not making the argument. I'm just saying it would, have, it would have gone the same. It would have gone the same way everything does, which is you know the first calculator is ten thousand dollars, and now I mean you can't give them away. So, of course, people want to go into space. My God, I would love to go into space. Pendulette's got this great chapter in his last book about um, stripping in space. I mean, I think that would be a hilarious thing to do. What I'm a huge amount of fun. A little out of my price range, but, you know, the, the rich uh, pay for all of this stuff, and, uh, uh, and then it goes down in price as it gets more commercialized because we all want cool new experiences. And, my God, zero gravity, seeing a sunrise over the whole planet. I mean, who wouldn't kill to do something like that? It would be fantastic. So there's a huge huge return on it. Uh, it's just that the government sucked up so much money that nobody can afford space travel anymore. Yeah. I don't know that I figured anything out today. <laughs> I well, really don't. But here, this is, you made a thing, and, and what I, I was talking about this with someone today is all my answers are just going to be LASIK. Any questions is going to be answered with LASIK. I was going to ask you, let's, let's LASIK, clarify. LASIK, LASIK. Let's LASIK. clarify the LASIK. It's the one thing that the insurance companies wouldn't cover, and what happened? The prices dropped. It got more efficient. It got safer. I got a Groupon. Somebody sent yeah. me a Groupon for LASIK. Yeah. A fucking Groupon for, 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 for laser surgery that's going to cut stuff in my fucking corneas. Yeah. For a Groupon. For a discount. Okay. That's insane. So why couldn't we do that for other... Other things in our bodies. Let's, let's let's make sure we're clear on 700, this. Seven hundred thousand LASIK surgeries happen every year. Okay. And I'm going to sound like a nut here, but let's say the media might be sort of prone to uh, attacking free market liberal, free market libertarian things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If LASIK was bad, don't you think they'd be jumping on that? No, I don't, I don't yeah, think it's so, bad. No, but I mean, if there were some botched LASIK surgeries, don't you think we'd be hearing how horrible LASIK is and it's yes. this free market thing that insurance is, it's deregulated and it's awful, even yeah. though it's not really good. So, so LASIK is this wonderful example of what can happen in, in medicine. Okay. So, so, and I've heard the argument before that LASIK, LASIK is, LASIK, LASIK. You, can, you can get two eyes done for what, 700 bucks or 300? It depends on what your group uh, How good was your Groupon deal? It was okay. It was okay. I have really bad astigmatism. So you used the Groupon deal? Uh, no, I'm not going to use it because I... I, I, I'm so bad. I'll still have to wear glasses. So oh. okay. Did you check into it? Yeah. Yeah. I went, I went. Has anybody else had LASIK? My neighbors had LASIK. Do you know what you paid? Forty-eight hundred. Right. You paid forty-eight hundred. When? And, yes. and, and 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 is it that cheap or is it, it that? Was, it was seventeen hundred dollars an eye. Seventeen hundred an eye, and you paid yourself because insurance didn't right. cover it. Right. Why is insurance not covering LASIK? Do we know the answer to that? It's uh, considered um, it's optional. Like, like you can just wear glasses. Cosmetic. So why are we gonna? It's cosmetic. Yeah, it's basically. elective surgery. Okay, so the reason that it's so cheap is because the insurance companies refuse to pay for it, and therefore, the doctors the doctors the, the want to ensure it. that it's really safe, okay, and really good, okay, and they have to for once have, figure out how much on price. and they have to compete with each other because so they can't collude on price. Because okay. there's not going to be this other entity that's going to pay for it. Okay. You know, when my wife and I, when we have our Don't these doctors have high insurance they have to pay? Yeah. And that's probably part of the reason why it's still 
so it's expensive. I mean, it's it's seventeen hundred dollars a night is not cheap. Yeah, I was about to make that point. But it's cheaper than it used to be, and that's what's happening. It's, the price is going down. There's no reason to think the price is not going to go down further. Right. It may not be a dollar, but it's going to get cheaper. Okay. You think it's going to get cheaper? Absolutely. How much was it when it started? Do we know the answer to this? I don't know, but but if I told you thirty years that there's an operation that they're going to use a laser to cut into my corneas to make my eyes better, what would you say? That's a million dollars. No, I wouldn't. I'd say I'd say a hundred thousand dollars. Well, I mean, if you just imagine that, if you imagine that thirty years ago, and I said there's a laser surgery they're going to do on my eyes to make it make my eyesight. I mean, how much are boots? Any technology now? submission. <laughs> the best ones. Uh, any. The, there's a doctor in Utah. He's the best one. He got five thousand dollars. Any technology. Uh, uh, sufficiently advanced enough looks like magic. So, yeah. so, so your example—that's uh, I think uh, Tyson said that. So, so, so your your, your example uh, plays on that. Um, uh, if you said to me thirty years ago that they're going to use lasers to correct vision, yeah. I, I'm going to be honest with you and tell you it should. I I would be surprised if that cost more than a few hundred dollars. And here's the reason. Because I would presume, and I could be wrong about this, I would presume that the the machine that is doing the work, it, you're not cutting with a scalpel, uh, and, and, and we have a machine. Yeah, but it sounds that's, like science fiction. That's that's my point. Go my, on. My point is that sounds like science fiction. I, I, Thirty years ago, you're thinking ago, grocery scanner, like yeah, you just you're, take you're, your head. No, I'm not. Yeah, I would have thought that. I, I, I would have thought I'm that. I'm thinking. I, I presume they lock your head down, no, and the machine like does all the work. And the, work does, and then they fucking. They, I'm. A, I'm guessing that they clockwork orange you. Yeah. And then they. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, and then they go in with the laser. Sure doesn't move. And wait, wait, wait. But there's there's many counterexamples of procedures that have gotten very very cheap over the years that are heavily regulated, right? And I don't want to. Okay. Not to drop a controversial. Can you give me one? Abortion. Abortion. Super cheap. Yeah, super cheap. Used to be very expensive, much more invasive, much more complicated. I'll kick you over for ten bucks. Arthroscopic, arthroscopic. <laughs> you can really surgery. get it done free. I mean, and by the way, when they say hanger, they don't mean the plastic. But that's not covered one. by insurance either. Right? By insurance. That's not covered by insurance okay. either. Okay. Oh. So, so you're saying that? So I think that's actually in line with the LASIK argument. It, it is heavily regulated. It, it's heavily regulated, but not covered by insurance. Okay. I think that it's... which means there's competition on price. That's what we're talking about. Competition. Uh, I disagree with you. I think that I, 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 most of the people I know that have gotten that have gotten uh, uh, abortions went into uh, Planned Parenthood, where both government and uh, private money right. are paying for it, private and money. that's what really has driven down the price, isn't it? Isn't, or has that played a role in it? Am I wrong? Am I just? I know I'm not an economist, but uh, well, I, I know that personally, if abortion was made illegal, that I would. Donate whatever people need abortions. All right, I wish I wish we could clear all this up, but well, we uh, no, we have we have another show waiting to get in here, and basic, I've gone over. Basic, basic. Uh, uh, that's it for premium episode thirty-three. I want to I want to thank everybody. By the way, thank you so much for subscribing. Uh, another show that went off without a hitch. We, we miss, miss you, Hitch. Man. I also want to thank our guests, Dean Cameron, John Rael, Edward Clint, and Stefan Molyneux. Stefan, thank you for being here, man. Thank you, Stefan. Thanks. I just want to mention the show I run is Free Domain Radio, freedomainradio.com. And thank you guys so much. It was a really enjoyable discussion. I really appreciate the time. Okay. Free Domain Radio is great. Free Domain Radio. Say it again. Free Domain Radio.com. Tune in next week when our guest will be Tom Cruise. Wait a minute. Tom Cruise. Well, not really Tom Cruise. Why are we claiming that Tom Cruise is going to be on the show? Just to see how skeptical the listeners really are. Uh, I guess we'll be talking about why Emery's a liar. Seems fair. Thanks to our audio engineer, Jensen Lefevre. Our theme music courtesy of the sound editor of the Aristocrats, Eric. Wilson, and special thanks to our Skeptic Tank moderator, Joseph Libertarier, Swam, and our <laughs> digital publicist, web guru, Cameron Liberacian.
Winter. That makes him gay there. <laughs> You've been listening to Skeptically Yours on SkepticallyYours.net. I'm your host, Emery Emery. And I'm Heather Henderson. And we are Skeptically Yours. Skeptically Yours is a product of an ever-expanding universe. I want to take the last couple of seconds to say that our thoughts go out to all of the folks in Boston who are suffering this awful, awful event. Hang in there. A marathon? I make some jokes on Twitter, but I care about people.